0: Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine.
1: All right, Tony. Well, we are back for round two i see your fancy pour over there i had a cup of coffee earlier because i was getting kind of tired but um yes the is there any particular reason that you use the pour over or you just enjoy it it's
2: uh i uh listeners might hear me pouring my pour over into my <laughs> mug yes way.
1: he's only he's doing the pour over as we speak yes man that <laughs> cup is huge Just like kept going and going
2: Anywho, so I uh, I think it tastes better. It's smoother, I think, and uh, a little less bitter than... I'm not a big uh, Trip Coffee fan. I probably like... Uh, the, actually, without a pour-over, there's a French press. I like pour-overs more than a French press, but French press can be slightly easier. So I have a pour-over at the church and a French press at the church, and I have a pour-over and a French press at the house and an aero press at the church as well. So
1: I don't even know what that is.
2: And I also have an iced coffee maker, a, a, um, a cold brew maker, at the haunt house, and two drip coffee makers.
1: Do you have something in your car, like as you go, you can?
2: I need to get to that point. So
1: yeah, like that—that that, that would be good. So yeah, you—you you take this to a new level. Do you feel <laughs> a little superior as you do it? You're not just using like standard drip coffee.
2: Do I feel or do I realize that I am? I guess,
1: yes, let's be honest. Um,
2: No, it's actually funny because I I need to lose weight again, and this relates somewhat to this discussion, Uh, but a while ago I lost some weight over a short period of time, and I was counting calories, and I found that uh, a lot of my calories were coming from cream and sugar and coffee, and I wanted to drink coffee black, but I, I find that drip black coffee disgusting and so I switch to coffee that I can drink back, black that I enjoy which is going to be generally fr- I, I almost always freshly grind them uh, I don't I take whole bean and I get high end. I you know, I'm a snob. I know this, but he takes a knife and slices.
1: He dices them up, minces them.
2: <laughs> Dude, at Southern Seminary, there was a guy I would walk past that he he would roast his own beans. So his great. Oh, All my neighbors do that
1: with a popcorn. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right.
2: So oh, that was your neighbor, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, so I don't. Well, go it was that before far.
1: you moved into the duplex. Yeah.
2: That's right. So anyway.
1: So, so anyway. Yeah, the, the the thing about food, it has become quite a controversial topic these days. It's one that people feel very strongly about. And I remember hearing a statistic on a sports radio show, of all things, uh, when we were in seminary. But th- they did some sort of study and they found that people who ate organic food were less likely to help someone in need than those who didn't. And so uh, it was a social experiment. And people that ate organic food, the way explain it, they felt they had already done their good deed for the day. So they saw someone that needed help and they were less willing to help them, um, which is just, you know, I find that. Amusing um, that eating organic food is viewed as like doing a good deed. Um, but that, that's what we want to get in today. Uh, I remember as well a situation um, when we lived in Louisville, and our church was doing this outreach carnival thing in the parking lot, and there was some live music and different things like that. And we were at the edge of a section of town, which your church was kind of on the other end of this, but this this area that was very uh, eclectic, I guess, kind of true trendy hipster area, you know, there on Barts Road, mm-hmm. and anyway, this guy walks up, and he'd heard the music, and so uh, I sat down at a table with him, and then the guy that was, I don't remember if he was currently on staff as one of the pastors, but he eventually was, and this friend of mine was trying to engage this, this guy that walked up uh, about the Lord, and... My friend's son walks up with a bat. You know, it was a carnival, so that we had some of the the popcorn, like you'd have like at the movie theater. Yeah. and a the kid walks up with some popcorn, and I mean, he's you know five years old or something. He is munching the popcorn, and the guy, I think maybe he was just sensing some conviction. I don't know, but he looked at my friend and told him that uh, when the kid walked up, he goes, "You know that if you let him eat that, it's uh, Let's see if I can paraphrase this in family friendly way." It's going to make his distinctive masculinity just go away, and I was oh. just stunned. And I mean, thankfully, this didn't come out of my mouth. But I thought, "You're an idiot! Like, why would you tell someone that?" Wow. But I mean, that kind of thing is common for people to make these really charged comments. And a lot of times, it's online and mommy blogs and things. <laughs> um, I don't know if what it's like in Maine, man. But you know, in the internet world, it's it's the it's pretty rough. But that's that's what we want to get in today about food and the faith and how we feed our children.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Tony, what is your favorite meal? Because I mean, you're a guy that likes the food. You like to eat food. You like to cook food.
2: You know, I uh, unfortunately, my answer to that is usually going to be because I'm kind of uh, that, you know, fast. Uh, based on healthy food. It's going to be pretty universally unhealthy food, and and that's a problem, but I'd probably, it's hard for me to definitively answer. Uh, You know, I really like beef chimichangas. Those are really good, and obviously not healthy at all, uh, and, uh, but one other thing actually that's recent is I just got a little pizza oven, a, uh, like an outdoor one that can cook uh, pizzas up like 800 plus degrees. So it's like a brick oven and I made a pizza, Neapolitana style pizza almost. And, uh, that, uh, Neapolitan rather style pizza and it was incredible. It was the, maybe the best pizza I've ever had and Danielle thought it was as well. So that might've been up there for my favorite food ever.
1: Bada bing, bada boom, man. Bringing the Italian heritage it's in. Good.
2: Yeah, so how about you, Ben? What's your favorite meal?
1: I don't know. I, I, I do really like steak. My dad is very good at mm. grilling steak. Uh, honestly, like, I, I like his steak better than a lot of restaurants I've been to. He's just, and you know, I'm happy to let him keep practicing until he just completely perfects it. Um, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't do a lot of grilling. I actually don't even have an outdoor grill anymore. Um, So I know that for some that may make me have to lose my man card, but I have an indoor grill. I just, you know, it's just not my thing. Um,
2: I have, I think, six outdoor cooking equipments.
1: (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah, I do like steak. I like vegetable, I like sweet potatoes, like broccoli. I really like Mexican style food or Tex-Mex style food. I could eat that pretty regularly. so, yeah, it'd be really hard for me to, to narrow it down like that. But I don't cook as much, no, but my, my wife, thankfully, is a very good cook. Um, so, Tony, why do you think – because I know you've, you've seen at least some of this uh, food snobbery and, and uh, just seeing food as a moral issue. Why do you think there's been such a rise in that and and even like how what we feed our children? Yeah, so – Other people are looking on why, why aren't – why don't these people care?
2: Yes, I think there's a lot of factors in this. So I think some of it is younger generations have grown up with some knowledge of things uh, that others haven't or even lack a false knowledge. Uh, and, you know, it can be knowledge of legitimate knowledge of climate issues. Uh, or even, you know, supposed knowledge from some food documentaries that have been called into question at times. I mean, a lot of people, tons of people watch food documentaries now. Uh, You know, I think social media has brought a lot of exposure and a lot of grounds to have some of this uh, discussion around morality of food. Uh, I, I think another part of it, how that has been a factor is, you know, alternatives to a lot of things have I've pretty objectively gotten better, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not saying I'm crazy about the alternative meats, but it's hard to deny that, uh, you know, beyond meat is a better product a more appetizing product than Tofurky and so probably I think that is legitimately contributed to making it more of an accessible discussion and I think further that there can be some kind of Luddite anti-science attitudes uh, and I probably that's driven as well by social media that maybe not was as much the case in the fast. Mm. What do you think Ben? Yeah
1: I, you know I'm not really I think the only food documentary I've ever watched was Super Size Me. Um, yep. Which, I mean, that was interesting, and it's not like I needed to be convinced that eating McDonald's and that kind of food all the time was not good for me, um, though if it was helpful for some, you know, but it was, certainly was. I, I was shocked at the level of damage it did to the guy's body, but uh, I think you hit on a lot of good cultural things that are going on, and I think in some ways it's a luxury we have in a nice, pretty safe, Western, prosperous Environment. Um, I think we t- we did a- an episode on pets very recently, and this kind of came up. Uh, uh, and actually, you pointed this out to me. Uh, I think we were riding back together one day from work when we lived in Louisville. And somehow we got to be talking about food, and I mean I didn't really – I didn't watch cooking shows whatever. but You were telling me about that chef that's now dead, Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. and how he was just disdainful of people who were vegans and things like that yeah. um, and kind of making fun of them and scorning them and how in other parts of the world people would – that, that's not a luxury they can have to be vegan. They, they're just eating what they can to survive. Um and this is like a guy that I, I was reading about him the other day. Thinking about this, and he said the worst meal he ever ate was warthog rectum. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, this is a guy that would just like if people are eating that kind of thing. I mean, it seems fairly desperate uh, to you know to receive nourishment. And so you've got that where we've got the luxury of of the, some of those kinds of things. And. Um, it is interesting, though, the turn away from things that you know in a lot of generations past. Things that were considered moral behaviors, like say sex, uh, is considered less of a moral issue now. And actually, you're you're probably familiar with the writer Jonathan Haidt. Have you yes. heard him? So I heard him talking one time, and uh, or maybe he wrote it, but he was describing how he'd been to a breakfast with some friends of his who were pretty liberal in their politics, and they the host was going on and on about the the source of the food and how it was grown and all, all those terms that I can't even really keep up with, yeah. and you know making a really big deal about this and, and boasting about it. And then during the course of the meal, all these people, uh, they kind of ganged up on conservative Christians, at least conservative theologically uh, Christians. For their stances, these narrow stances on sexual behavior, and he's like, you know this is pretty ironic we're we're all getting you know uh, right, self-righteous about our food, and yet something as yes. as uh, intimate as sexual behavior is just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, so I think there's some confusion in our society,
2: yeah. By the way, so, I want to say you you refer to Anthony Bourdain and I, I looked up the quote very briefly uh, one of his quotes in veganism uh, he said "The vegans are the enemy of everything good and decent in the human spirit
1: <laughs> his words his words not ours if you're vegan <laughs> um, he was he, he was known for being provocative so yeah um, well Tony why why are some people just so self-righteous about? The food and where it comes from, and they're eating, and, and even how it connects to parenting. I mean, there's like, you're going to give your kid that? Oh.
2: Yeah, I think some of it is we've been very exposed to angry echo chambers in our time and place and a lot of scare baiting. Uh, I think that that is a very common. It seems to be the case, especially in a world with so many options. The, the one that's the option that's going to gather the most attention tends to be the ones that's going to pull on people's fear and on people's anger. And so that probably has been, I think, a lot of it. So on, on every side in this issue and a lot of other issues, I think that there has been a right desire to avoid unhealthy adulthood, especially in our kids. Actually, uh, I saw recently, even after COVID deaths went down, uh, that age expectancy has gone down. Uh, More than it has in like a hundred years last year And, and they think a lot of it is because of unhealthy eating, especially among minors. And so I think further another issue that can contribute to the self-righteousness is a lack of we talk about theological triage a lot Uh, We did a whole podcast on it So uh, but I think there's been a lack of that and so everything is a ride-or-die issue and so people that might have justifiably Logical reasons for things make that into a therefore. I need to throw a spear at my neighbor over it What do you think Ben (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah. Good, very good points.
2: Um,
1: I think there's this inherent th- something in us. Where we we f- need we feel the need to be in the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even you know, like we'll do that towards God. We will try to justify ourselves and condemn God. I mean, you see that in the early narratives in Genesis. Like God is the woman you gave me. Uh, <laughs> which is just incredibly incredibly arrogant to to blame god but we, we want to justify ourselves and so we will find all sorts of things to do it over even things like food um and people tend to get very sensitive when you talk about parenting um, if there's a critique of what they're doing as a parent or not doing uh, there's a lot of sensitivity there and it's not I don't know what it was like generations ago. I, I imagine there was some level of people maybe didn't always appreciate it, but uh, we are particularly sensitive these days about it. And so it can it's it's viewed as like you said, this um, we don't want unhealthy adults, and that's a good desire. Uh, but it has become this moral crusade that maybe is is taking something that's like a third level fourth level kind of issue. yeah and vaulting it up way more than than it should be so i mean how much does the lord care about what we eat and what food we give to our children
2: so and i kind of have two uh, almost contradictory but not really response to this uh first i want to say the lord cares about all of our decisions in a way at least uh, so there's every decision that we make matters to the lord but also at times I think with things like this, God might consider it a little more significant than who won the Patriots game, which has not been the Patriots lately much by the way, for the record. so uh, and uh, you know, I mean, we I'm almost nobody would say that God really cares about who wins a football game. I, I would hope none of our listeners think that. Uh, but I, I think in most times, probably, that's kind of where it ranges i don't think every calorie is of that kind of great significance in this sense uh but a worshipful posture towards food and a posture of moderation definitely is something that the lord cares about what do you think ben
1: i think that's well stated um i mean we're told and we're probably getting this in a bit but uh, what, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, I mean something as mundane as that, you're supposed to do it to the glory of God. Yet – and the Bible t- does talk surprisingly a lot about food. It mentions food sometimes in passing. Uh, the Old Testament had different things uh, related to food. comes up again in Jesus' ministry and in the early church. But it's not – I mean you look at, say, the Apostles' Creed. Now, it's not like Peter sat down and wrote that. But it's a pretty early confession of faith, and you know it doesn't mention about what we believe about food in it. Like it doesn't rise mm-hmm. to that level, and I think Christians were appropriate in doing that. And, and I mean I've, I've been on a number of church websites, and you look at sometimes their statement of faith or their values and some of the, the things that will come up, and just um, depending on – The influence is there, where that church is located, the leadership, all those kinds of things factor into what is viewed as important um, and things that – again, I'm not – I really don't have a grid to be able to – uh, to say exactly what should be in each case, but sometimes things that rise to the level on those, you, you do wonder, um, are these the most important things? And some of it, you, you want that there's an, a desire to appear a certain way to the world around you, and sometimes that's right. Sometimes maybe you're, I don't know, caving to pressures. But um, the Lord cares, but it's it's not the same as whether or not you commit adultery. Agreed. Um. So, the, I mean, we, we, I mentioned this a minute ago, but the Old Testament and the Sinai Covenant in particular give a lot of detail about what should be eaten or should not be eaten, or more particularly what should not be eaten. Uh, but even some of the sacrifices brought, that you, you eat a meal in God's presence. Uh, the New Testament pairs that back quite a bit, though it does have things to say about food. Why why the reduction?
2: yeah. So I actually think of directly one passage in scripture that kind of answers that and that is Peter's vision in Acts 10:9 uh, through 15. And in this vision uh, God actually gives gives Peter a vision of of foods that were forbidden under the Mosaic covenant and he tells them he tells Peter to eat these foods. And now uh, the obviously the point of that passage actually isn't really about food. It's about how God is made all thing all people pure have got his kind of gotten rid of these things. But I, I think that shouldn't be separated from food because the fact that I think inherently that is showing to us uh, that these things like the holiness food codes uh, were existent to point uh, to a separation under the law that existed. You know, this kind of otherness, this the representative symbolic holiness. But Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, and thus we don't need this kind of symbolic holiness Anymore, uh, And, you know, and I think clearly in 1 Corinthians 8 now, um, after written, you know, after Acts, uh, written or at least the events take place after this point in Acts, Paul goes as far as allowing believers to eat meats that things that were forbidden under the Mosaic law in that passage. So uh, obviously that uh, it doesn't apply to us. We don't have to avoid bacon, which I'm thankful for because I love me some bacon. What do you think, Ben?
1: Uh, yeah, that, that is a great passage to go to. Jesus himself uh, addressed some things with food, and uh, in Mark 7. He talks about this, and he says, "This is verse 15. There's nothing outside a person by going into them can defile him, but the things that come out of a person would defile him." And he starts talking about uh, with the disciples, uh, what is in the heart, the things that flow from without of the heart: evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting. And he just goes on. Those are, are what really uh, God is most concerned about, not the the form of of your calories. Yeah. Um. Not to say there's no issues there, but the Christ has fulfilled the law for us. And yeah, the, there was a separateness to Israel, and, and there's been various things I've come across trying to explain why Israel had the dietary laws that they did, and that it was uh, because of health concerns and various things. Maybe so. Maybe in some cases. Uh, I, I think some of it comes down to, will you trust me? Yeah. But because then the door is, is open to, you know, like in the, the vision with Peter, take and eat. Um, and so, uh, yes, we'll, will we trust the Lord? But uh, the most important thing about our righteousness now is not our diet, um, it, it is a matter of the heart and, and our actions. And, mm-hmm. and, and our food sourcing and feeding our children, these kinds of things do not rise to the top of that list. Um, we just cannot pretend like they do. Uh, because then we are taking something. The Bible, the New Testament, is far less interested in those issues um, moving into the new covenant than, than it was before. And so, but again, it talks a lot about it. But uh, Paul gives instructions in his letters and uh, things like that. But it's not the top of. Paul, Paul has been much more concerned about people committing, uh, you know, the guy with his stepmom in Corinth than someone that ate meat food sacrificed to idols. He he addresses that, but. Uh, He's acknowledging that the idol isn't anything. So it doesn't resolve everything, but I think it it gives some direction. So, I mean, what does the Bible teach us about food and eating and, you know, how how we provide for our children, how we nourish them?
2: Yeah, so the Bible teaches a lot of things on this. So, uh, I mean, actually, the Bible really does talk about food a great deal. Uh, I mean, even from the very beginning, I mean, Genesis 129 uh, shows us God was the one who gave us food, uh, and I, I won't worry, I'll read part of that. Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree uh, with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. So God has gifted this to us. Uh, I, I think 1 Corinthians ten thirty one 31 uh, shows us we glorify God uh, when, you know, we approach food rightly, when we uh benefit from this rightly uh it is for enjoyment and repeatedly the psalms point to that psalm 104 especially and even proverbs show that food is exists for our enjoyment including wine by the way <laughs> and uh for i think the bible does show us that gluttony is sin in places like proverbs 23 uh but what's tricky is that a lot of times what we understand as gluttony is not necessarily what biblical gluttony referred to. You know, I'm not sure that the person that is making an undeniably poor choice and picking up fast food to on the road to make his day go easier is, is uh, committing the same sin that the Bible talks about. Uh, but uh, further, I think parents must... Uh, clearly put food on the table. That's another one. The Bible talks about feeding our children specifically. And 1 Timothy 5, 8, you know, talks about that basically a father that doesn't provide for a family is worse than an unbeliever. And I think clearly this involves, you know, Putting food on the table. I will. I'll add in addition to that. I know I've had a long list, but the Bible does also point out with feeding our children that eating our children is bad. The Bible points that out uh, multiple times.
1: Thanks for that clarifying point there. I wasn't uh, sure if
2: anyone was worried or or not sure on that matter. Yes, uh, <laughs> nuance is good.
1: So yeah, the Bible does address it quite a bit, and I think. You mentioned uh, fast food and gluttony and alcohol, and it does remind me of something I've thought about before, that you know, you and I are both Baptists. Um, Baptists can have a pretty negative attitude towards alcohol, many of them, not all, but but many. Um, likely in many Baptist churches, at least that I've been acquainted with, there's probably a bigger issue with gluttony than there is mm-hmm. with alcohol um, abuse. Not to say that that's always the case, but I mean we've uh, – uh, we had a professor in seminary that talked about we we take that verse the wrong way that Paul says that I think it's in the King James I buffet my body to bring it into submission we mistake that as I buffet my body um, and so you know the potluck after with the fried chicken um, we tend to, to really know how to put that one into practice. Nice,
2: that's ridiculous. Yes. That's and, <laughs> um.
1: So. We should receive our food with a thankful heart. Paul talks about that in First or Second Timothy, um, where all his gifts are to be received. And he in there he talks about sexual relations and marriage that even that is to be received with thankfulness. these Gifts to the body, and so now maybe my conscience should be pricked more than it is on, on some of these things. Um, and, and I have thought about some of these things that have been brought to my attention. I think I, I didn't have much awareness, and you are talking about these documentaries. I mean, I don't watch food documentaries. Um, and, you know, on the, the algorithm, they don't even come up for me. You know, so um, I'll just blame it on the algorithm, man. Blame it as math's fault. Um, but... I I do want to be a righteous person, be considering uh, some of those things. Um, But the elev, again, the elevation of these things to like top tier issues, uh, I think is troubling. And I mean, it it gets definitely into self-righteousness. It's like, I care a lot about this. And so everybody shouldn't. If you don't, you, you really need to repent because I think you are headed for hell kind of thing. Uh, Among now that could be among Christians. There's plenty of people outside the church who also feel very strongly about these, these matters. Um, but, I mean, are there ethical concerns that we should be aware of when it comes to our own eating and uh, the feeding of our children?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think there are. can be multiple. Uh, there can be, and in many areas, Christians, though, can disagree on some of these ethical concerns. Uh, I definitely don't think we can disagree on eating children, that being wrong. We should be pretty <laughs> universal on that. Uh, You know, I think an example of this on areas particularly that we can disagree on that are still real ethical discussions would be a lot of environmental questions. So, for example, uh, you know, I know, I know Christians that don't eat uh, beef and the reasoning they don't eat beef is because of some science that has pointed to a negative impact on the environment from the methane produced by the extent of of beef cattle. In America. And, you know, and it's and I think that's uh, something I respect the person. I don't I eat a lot of beef. I like beef. Uh, but uh, I respect somebody who wants to think through that kind of approach and even animal ethics with that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that uh, one ethical concern with uh, that that I think should be somewhat universalized is, I think failing to provide for our kids, not just in the sense of technically food, but failing to provide nutrition, and limitations on food, I think actually can effectively fail to provide for kids. Part of our call to provide for kids is not just to technically have something be there, not to just have them have cardboard, for example, to provide you know what a child's body needs to needs to be able to be healthy within reason, of course. You know, there's going to be different cases, and sometimes just having calories, yeah, especially I mean you think of the Holocaust, a Christian parent just providing calories to something, but I. I think in most cases, uh, I think it is an ethical concern. Uh, the Christians that believe it's okay to to feed their kids just you know purely carbs or purely sugar and not to give limitations on how they eat because it it really does hurt children and has a negative impact even beyond their own families at times. What do you think, though, Ben?
1: I think those are good concerns to raise. Like, yeah, they're what you eat. Habitually, it does affect you as you get older, and then the, your health as you get older. Uh, it is the fuel for your body. However, um, that doesn't mean that your child can only ever eat the purest form, most, you know, I, I don't even know what the word to use for it, but uh, best quality calories at all times. And so, you yeah. know, like you go to somebody's house, like no. We, we don't eat that. My child is not going to eat this. Um, I mean, that's just being a jerk. Um, generally, I mean, unless unless there's some kind of allergy issue, if someone offers you food, I mean, you just sort of take it. It's a way of showing love to that person that they're, they're trying to be hospitable to you. Um, yeah, if someone's got an anaphylactic reaction to the kind of food, well, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Um, but the, that, that issue comes up about the issue of, of giving and receiving hospitality. I mean, that, that is a loving thing to yeah. do uh, and not being arrogant about that. Um, Cause I mean, yeah, I've, I've been in my years of life, I've been places where someone prepared something I wasn't crazy about, but okay. I mean, hey, they they prepared it for me and they provided it. And it's just, I mean, in general, it's just a way of being polite. Yeah. Um, it, but also it, it shows love to that person.
2: Um, thanks for criticizing my cooking, Ben.
1: (laughs) No, I've had good stuff that you made. not in a long time though. Um, (laughs) but yes, providing for our children in general, we, we should give them food, um, and, and seek to help them to be healthy. There are some concerns about, you know, where food comes from and, and how, uh, how the animals are treated. Honestly, I, I just really don't know. I mean, we were talking about pets and you brought up the issue of chickens and being cooped together. And do the chickens care? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think their brains are relatively small. Maybe it's really bad and they, they really, really don't like it. I don't know. Uh, and there's only so many things that I can really, really care about. Um, and give time and attention to, whether intellectually or emotionally. And so for me, this is not an area that has risen to the top of that. Uh, and it's probably, I should give it some more thought and read some more things on it. But I, I still, I, I think, I, I don't think I'll be convinced that this really is what I need to dive into and just spend all my time, extra time reading about and making sure that my kids are getting you know this kind of thing, get it from this source and um, all of that. So, Tony, how much of our food and our eating issues are matters of conscience rather than, you know, this is obedience and disobedience?
2: I would say the significant majority, most food decisions are matters of conscience. I mean, and maybe I'm wrong on that because, again, there's patterns. But even in that, I think... That isolated in a food decision, it's most cases food decisions are a matter of consciences, conscience issues. So, uh, And I think examples of uh, issues of conscience rather than avert sin righteousness would be the is- matter of organic versus traditional that people advocate. Uh, I don't think either one of them would be a sinful choice. Uh, when they can have sugar or caffeine for our kids, within reason, of course when discipling our kids, that, uh, I think that's a conscience issue, uh, that when, um, that I would move like pork and stuff out of here though. Uh, I will say, I know Christians that kind of treat like avoiding pork is a conscience issue. So, uh, some Christians will uh, be personally opposed to eating a lot of the things that are forbidden under the Mosaic law and will regard that as, you know, that while well, I'm not requiring of you this is just a conscience issue I actually would not put that kind of issue in that box though cuz I think that uh, it matters where we are actually creating going beyond the biblical law and where we are kind of reverting back to the Mose- and reverting back to being under Moses, is more than a conscience issue and is a real and abiding concern. But what do you think? Are most issues um, ethical concerns? Uh, I'm sorry. Rather, are most issues like this conscience things, or do you think that every time that somebody is eating differently than how you would eat, that we should attack them?
1: You should at least verbally assault them?
2: Throw the food out their of their
1: place. hands. Um, yeah, I I think the vast majority of them are. I mean, I see people sometimes and they well, go, "I I wouldn't make it a point to eat that for that type of meal, or I wouldn't give my child that." But I don't know all the circumstances involved. And oh, maybe I forgot my lunch today and I need some food, and so I've got scrounged up some things. Uh, I mean, I've done that before where I forgot my lunch and I, I don't go out to eat very much and. Uh, I'm, well, okay, I'll just kind of make do get a little of this and a little of that. And, uh, it was not a meal of champions, but okay. It kind of staved off the hunger for a little bit. Um, and anyway, some of it comes down to just a matter of, of wisdom or prudence. Yeah. Like, huh, I don't think I'm going to load my kids up with sugar and a can of Mountain Dew 10 minutes before bed. Like that that's just a recipe for disaster uh, or if I know we're about to do something where yeah. we, we need a little more calm I and mean, it's just not a time to let them get hyped up and yeah. we used to be much tighter about sugar and stuff and, and not that we just let them get whatever they want now yeah. but you know we, we have loosened up with time but it's also it is a treat when when they have stuff um, <clears throat> and so and if there's a party and things like that yeah there, there's times to celebrate and uh, there's a time to receive those things and oh you know, we got we went to this thing at lunch and you got this and at dinner and hey let's just be thankful that day that hey we got to celebrate these things and you enjoyed them and then um, but that's not our standard fare
2: yeah um, and I think to me that's a lot of where it does become conscience you know a, as an individual decision you know, it's kind of different than a systemic issue. I, I don't like, you know, I don't think there's ever a time or an individual case where it's inherently wrong for a child to have cotton candy. But clearly if a child as, as a child's regular meal intake consists of cotton candy three times a day and that's it, then that's an entirely different discussion.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are some things you could genuinely say, this is unloving to this child because the kid doesn't really have a whole lot of choice in it. Uh, and you can see that with with patterns that are going generationally where um, maybe the child has diabetes already and the parents may um, – and sometimes it can be a parent. Like, okay, there, there seems to be choices being made at the table and in the kitchen, at the grocery store, the restaurant, wherever it may be that are leading to this. Yeah. Um, but there's just a lot that goes into that. And so – We want to be humble about it and and not start casting the stones um so you know tony i have people in my family that i've got a vegan on one side and i've got i'm not exaggerating literally have a vegan and then i have carnivores um now (laughs) they're not on the same size of the family so it's not like we get together and they you know attack one another uh and do uh i don't know uh neanderthal combat in the backyard or something at, at holidays but um how much or, or should we address issues about food and eating with other people who have a different opinion from us or a different practice from us what's that look like
2: yeah i think we can definitely do that if we are people that are able to do this respectfully uh but again similar to what we talked about in the last podcast we probably have, in most cases, more significant things to talk about. But again, I, I think if you're doing it from a right approach, from love of neighbor and, uh, and, you know, and humility and, and triage, it can be appropriate. Uh, but I, I do think that in cases where uh, you know, it is next to child abuse... Uh, it is more urgent, and I do actually think that uh, I think that's appropriate terms in cases. Uh, the person that the person that is feeding their child in a way that they might have a heart attack at ten or eleven years old—that is, is massively more. You know, it's you know, I, every kid has different metabolism things, but the person that is contributing to that, I think, that would be a more urgent conversation and something that probably does not need to be. The you know just we're talking to them in the same way that we talk to them about why you should root for my baseball team. What would you think?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good point, and that gets into really touchy issues because you don't. I mean, I'll just give an example, Um, and it's it's hypothetical. But I mean, say you got a child who is morbidly obese. You don't know why that's the case. No, but I mean, there are some obvious things that may go into that. Now, maybe there's an extenuating health issue as well. Um, oftentimes that's probably not the case, though it could be. And so if you – as you approach that, you want to do that with some humility and asking some questions and uh, acknowledging you don't know everything about the situation but express concern and uh, – because there could be really you know, significant harm. I, I remember I was a – I don't know, probably around middle school-ish age uh, hearing someone talk about – someone that they knew – they would – put their they would give their kid like a, a briars thing of ice cream and just like sit them down in front of the tv and they just wipe it out and I thought, that's that's not good mm-hmm. um now if it's at the bottom of the thing it's like yeah, i'm just not gonna give you a bowl here but have fun but um eating the hat and this was back when they were like half a gallon i think still you know now they're i don't know if they've trimmed it but um that is concerning yeah um is there anything that we need to teach our kids about food from a biblical theological standpoint as we're trying to make disciples of the Lord?
2: Yeah, I think we can teach them that we can enjoy food with Thanksgiving. And maybe that's why it's appropriate that, you know, we are having this podcast uh, posted, you know, a month or so before Thanksgiving. Uh, and I think further we can uh, teach them that God's gifts are meant to be enjoyed uh, but enjoyed with moderation and so you know they are for us but i mean almost virtually anything that's a gift from god has to have some level of moderation i mean i think that the beach is a gift from god uh, but you know if right now uh, we're in hurricane time in florida but and you know if you are uh, standing out in the middle of it to make sure you get all that time you're probably not in a good situation and uh, the but further, I think our hunger is meant to be typological Is another theological truth uh, that we can use to teach our kids. Because I think actually even we see this. I mean, Jesus talks a lot about him being the bread of life. He talks about those who hunger and thirst. And I think even these existence that God has created us as people that hunger, people that thirst, are meant to point us to something deeper than even our longing for, you know, maybe my delicious pizza that I made. <laughs> what do you think, Ben?
1: Yeah, I think those are definitely good points uh, to, re- to remember it is a gift from God that we receive. We don't just go get the gift and consume it, but we receive it as a gift. And, you know, God gave us these taste buds that this, this refueling our bodies didn't have to be enjoyable. It was God's idea. He gave us these these things. Um, we teach them to be thankful, also to who, whoever, whatever human source provided them their food. Someone cooked this for you. Someone bought this for you, and you should express appreciation. You yeah. shouldn't complain about it. And I mean, that's something probably every parent has had to deal with, um, with few exceptions. It's just you know, there's things that kids may not like or enjoy, and that that's okay. You can you don't have to like it. You just this is what we're eating, you eat it, and yeah. so. Now, I know some people take different stances on that. Um, and we even with different children at different stages of parenting, have taken some different stances on that. Um, I mean, kind of where we're at now, though, if there's it's knowingly not something that the kid just I just can't tolerate this as a textured thing, and I you know it's not like that. It's just this is not my favorite meal. It's, well, you don't have to like it, but your choices are this is this food or you can be hungry. So I, I think I know which one you'd prefer. Um, and you don't even have to eat heaps of it, but uh, just teaching them. And we've had, you know, with within the family, um, you know, had to give some concerted effort to that. Um, that, that complaining can become an issue, and it's a, it's a way of dishonoring the person who lovingly prepared something for you. <clears throat> And uh, I'm actually preparing to preach on this passage soon, so it's fresh in my mind. But in Numbers, when they're in the wilderness, Israel is—they uh, complain about the provision of food. Not that they didn't have food; they just didn't like the food that God had given them, then the manna. And so they're like, "We want to go back to Egypt. It was better there. We had garlic and cucumbers and melons <laughs> and stuff. It's like, <laughs> never mind that we were slaves. We, the food was free. And I mean, it's just—I mean, it's just childish. And we should, and God then responds by some of the, He kills some of them, um, and so God takes complaining a, as a big issue because it reflects a heart uh, this unbelieving in Him. Um, but we should teach our children to receive those gifts with thanksgiving, uh, to not be self righteous towards other people. I think as well. Hey, there may be some kids that eat things differently, mm-hmm. you know, than our family typically does. But I, I mean, we can't make those decisions for them. You eat your food, be thankful for it, and um should be ready to share these kinds of things. Um, so here's – this is related, but should we force our kids to clean their plate? I kind of got into that a little bit a minute ago. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? I, uh, mean, I don't think you can point to a chapter and verse on this.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think that you can directly, but I actually do – We and our family have some somewhat stronger opinions on this, uh, specifically for our family. And even to the point where our kids used to watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and we gave mm-hmm. up Daniel Tiger in part over it. I mean, he's also extremely whiny, uh, but uh, Daniel Tiger is its own uh, matter. But, uh, I mean, I'm rem- Daniel Tiger, I mean, there's a mentality and public school teachers use this uh, as that basically is like, you know, that uh, you just have to try it and uh, that you have to try. And if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. And no, that's not what our family does. Uh, And uh, I think to a degree this is conscience, but also I think the cleaning the plate to a degree this is about understanding authority and knowing kids don't know what's best for them. I mean, the reality is that... You know, it tends to be the case that people that don't require the kids to clean their plate uh, follow me and I don't eat enough of my vegetables. You know, and I mean, kids are I don't know of a single example of a kid that struggles to eat their dessert, but make sure to eat their, uh, their vegetables all the time without any complaints. And uh, and I think further, we tend to, uh, that say in our family, then as an illustration of this, to kind of point it home to our kids, you get what you get, uh, That uh, and you don't throw a fit. Uh, although I will say that uh, sometimes I give too much to ask for clean plates. I'm not very good at giving reasonable servings compared to my <laughs> wife. So sometimes my wife rightly points out that, uh, you know, Maybe uh, maybe uh, five helpings of green beans on the plate is not a reasonable expectation. (laughs) Son, it's just
1: a pound. Just eat
2: it. (laughs) uh, Finally, I'd add. I think this has kind of missional elements in this, uh, as we are really training our kids to not needlessly offend and I mean almost back to in the beginning sometimes the attitude where we don't push our kids in these ways uh creates kids that will be offensive that will hinder our evangelism as overtly there are people that if we don't eat what's before them, um, especially in adulthood that's it's not going to bode well for how how we're welcoming them and accepting them mm-hmm. what do you think Ben
1: yeah I think you a lot of good stuff there the the issue about authority i think it is teaching them to accept that and again i I could i know some kids have some issues with textures and things like that and i mean it can like honestly provoke the gag reflex or something like that those are more limited um things um but i mean sometimes my wife will prepare food that she knows is not this child's particular favorite but she intentionally won't make it, you know, once a week and make big helpings of it, and we're gonna have leftovers three times. Um, it's just, well, you, you need to have some of it, and you know, we've given you this. Um, so yeah, we don't necessarily force the clean plate, um, but yeah, this is this is the food we have, and, and we actually found one kid in particular would. You know, try to eat as minimal as possible of certain things that were not preferred, and then like, well, can I get some of this? Can I get some of this? And some, you know, initially we're like, okay, well, you, you had some, and you know, we, you ate the amount we wanted you to. Okay, yes, we'll allow you. We realized that that was a problem. It just wasn't so wise, and so just know that this is we're not we're not at the golden corral, okay? No. Um. So the food we have is right here, and um, you can have. You know, they'll ask for more food. Yep. There's this, 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 and this. Um, and so that has been helpful, but uh, yeah, good stuff about hospitality and and all of that. Um, so I I know this is not on, we didn't, this is prep on this, but as kids get older, and this is particularly more an issue with, uh, with young women, um, but stuff with food and eating and, and all of that, um, any, anything that you would say regarding that?
2: Yeah. So I think that, uh, I mean, that's, this is a growing concern. There's more and more young ladies and there are young men that, uh, you know, that their sinful response to food is not overeating but can be a, you know, a rejection, a, uh, that, a limiting amount of food for the sake of achieving a body image uh, that is not helpful And I think in these cases, we need to encourage people that, you know, there is really no, God created us beautiful in our diversity, and there is no ideal, you know, ideal human or female body. And we should instead, we should be striving to be healthy. Uh, You know, healthy can be a range of weights. I mean, I am thankful that doctors that have used their uh, God-given, you know, wisdom to discover, you know, there's a decent range of what is a healthy weight. And being within that, we can celebrate, regardless of what we feel like we we look like. And we take joy in that. Uh, and even if we have health issues, we can take joy in that if we're a little overweight, we're trying to be faithful. Um, and then, you know, and, and I think a lot of that will come down to rejecting fear of man as well. Because I think in these kind of cases, the food isn't always the issue, it's the fear of man is the issue. Issue. And then, you know, I think in those kind of cases, we're going to need to crack those through going into an unhealthy view of self in relationship to how others see us, which we've talked about some before. What are your thoughts, Ben?
1: That's good stuff. Yeah, it is a growing concern. And you have it on both sides of uh, a culture of promoting a certain body image, weight body fat percentage, this kind of thing on one side and encouraging you not to eat very much. There's also on the other side, um, I forget what it's called, but it's basically like you can be like morbidly obese and that's actually still healthy too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I've seen people, you know, these shirts and there's like, I identify as skinny and they're just stuffing themselves with all these just, you know, high, high saturated fat, unhealthy foods, sweets and all that. And just, you know, going. Just mowing it down, and I, I mean, it's just kind of like disturbing. And neither one of those—not—not um, not that the the right spot is always in between, but neither one of those extremes are good. Um, and so, I think some of those cases, you know, it requires wisdom. Um, we don't want to just affirm someone in something that is harmful to them and unrighteous. Yeah, I mean, I think it does come down to some issues of unrighteousness uh, in some cases. It's complicated. And so I mean, speaking in broad terms, um, there can be a lot of different factors going on. But we can still – we can have things going on with us even if it's chemical and leading us to do sinful things. Yes. Um, You can't just throw the, quote, quote, mental health card down and, well, I've got this thing. I mean, it's – our lives are this interwoven – you know, it, it, to get it all into – parse it up all nicely doesn't work like that. We are embodied souls, and so they affect one another. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably the best I've got there, but uh, at least off the cuff. Um, well, Tony, kind of as we wrap things up, any ideas on, on connecting food to the Lord for our kids that we haven't covered or um, just anything else that you'd want to add to this?
2: Yeah, I think – we should connect it sometimes more directly to our discipleship. Actually, I I don't remember which book of Paul Tripp's mentioned this, but Paul Tripp, for example, uh, he's noted that one practice he's had in his family when his kids were young is once a year they'd pick strawberries and then they would make basically for that dinner all everything they eat revolves around strawberries, and uh, you know, and they make it a time of really celebrating and thankful. To thanksgiving to God for the unique flavors of strawberries you know and they talk about it, and I think that's really neat and, and I think that is very appropriate not even to ha- have just the attitude that we just thank God for thank you God for we have food we have technical nutrition you know, uh, in front of us but showing that us showing our children that we should give specific thanks and we can celebrate that God has created a world with delicious flavors of bacon and delicious flavors of real beef and scientists that can I guess take make delicious flavors of fake beef I don't know but uh, and I think (laughs) uh, yeah I think it's important that we connect the food to the Lord by practicing hospitality and I think most hospitality but not all will involve food and eating with people and celebrating that together uh, but I, lastly, you know, I think we connect, uh, you know, food to the Lord by kind of, kind of showing how this all really goes to the first garden and the last garden. You know, God is always and will always give us food for our enjoyment and uh, and you know, and that has always been part of humanity's existence. Yeah, food is not a necessary result of the fall, but food is something that God has always given and God will continue to give in the new heavens and new earth, I believe. What do you think about that?
1: well said. Um, well said. Yeah. I mean just, just create again back to something I said earlier, but receiving the gifts, like actively receiving them as a gift. Something I'll try to pray for Pretty regularly when we pray, before we eat a meal, you know, thanking God. Not only do we have food, but it's food that that tastes good and it's food that's healthy for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to point that out. Not, I like Paul Tripp's idea there. Um, trying to think like what you do with all the things with strawberries. But anyway, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a cool idea. Just trying to see. Yeah, God gave us such variety, um, and we should see that his goodness in that um and and that this this idea of food is not something that's separated from our discipleship whether we eat or we drink or whatever we do we do it as the glory of god and so working to help just make that a the rhythm of your home so that they're thinking that way and something they just can't sort of get away from it um Hmm. yeah so I, i think that those are some good things for us to discuss um, I don't know that we resolved every every issue and every question, but this is an area that the Bible addresses a lot, and it, it is an area that gets a lot of emotion and a lot of uh, zeros and ones on the internet on different postings and things. But um, it's not often – I don't hear a whole lot of like biblical and theological reflection about it. It's just people ranting or you know talking about the food industry or – this or that. And um, yeah, it's just not so, always so helpful. More more heat than light, I think. Yeah. Hopefully this is, has brought some light. And just pointing this back to the Lord, that we should reflect on it in light of the Lord. So Amen. go and eat and feed your kids to the glory of God. Amen. Thanks for, for listening.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.